Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. All right, Jeff, it's uh, our first Cut for Time in our new series with you. Um, So I'd love to hear about kind of just like what you're excited about about the series in general before we jump in to talk about what your sermon was on Sunday. Yeah, wow, boy, that's that's a lot. I mean, Acts is, there's just so much there. Like, how do you, how do you even summarize it right but i i'm just i'm super excited about how we get to see the connection between how christianity started and us like who we are why does faith church exist and how do we fit into that story because i think that's really why luke is recording this for the first people that heard it who were like luke is not writing like a travel log you know, of what's going on in the book of Acts as it's happening. He's writing after the fact to people who exist in a Christian community to help them understand how they exist as a community, where they've come from. And that's true for us too. So the stuff that we're going to see in the book of Acts is about us. It's, it's our story and we get to kind of see our part in it uh, and, and what it not just meant for those people, but for us today in our yeah. place. Yeah. All right. So then you taught on the kingdom. Can you give us a summary from your sermon on Sunday? Yeah, uh, man, I was just I was thinking about one of our favorite family movies is The Princess Bride. I don't know if you guys know that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of a cult classic, right? There's there's this little boy and he's sick in bed and his grandfather comes to read him this, you know, adventure story. And there, there's this one point where he goes, you know, there, there's like a, a romantic moment in the story between the hero and the heroine. And the boy's like, oh, can we skip the kissing part? Get to the fire swamp. That sounded good. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, like, that's me, right? Like, I want to get to the good part, right? Like a vacation or our son's getting married this weekend. But part of what makes those things the good times is what leads up to them. The way mm-hmm. that we work and wait and anticipate is part of the joy that makes the outcome so beautiful. And the disciples are asking, Jesus, is, is now when you're going to restore the kingdom? Because the kingdom is the good part. It's the coming of the spirit. And when the Messiah rules is, you know, sin and evil are going to be judged and heaven and earth are reconciled and restored. And it's the reign of peace and righteousness, but Jesus says, not quite yet. You will receive power. The Holy Spirit is going to come, but you're going to be my witnesses. And not just in the sense of telling people about a kingdom that's going to come someday off in the future, but it's about living out a reality of a kingdom that's here and now through God's people. Mm-hmm. That's that's us. That the church is the continuation of God's plan to to create a community of people who are reconciled to Him through His Son and reflect what God Himself is like in the power of His Spirit. That's what we were made for, and and I think that's what Luke and what Jesus wants us to get. That is the good part, right? I mean, 
that's what we're made for. And yeah, there's there's a there's a future kingdom that we're looking forward to when when Jesus returns and heaven and earth will be reunited and all the brokenness will be healed. But we're not just here waiting for the good part. We're not just mm-hmm. inviting people to go to heaven someday. It, it, it's an invitation to live in Jesus' kingdom here and now. Like Jesus is inviting us into the good part while we still live in this messed up world and while we still struggle with you know our own temptations and failures but this this is the kingdom that jesus is ruling over today and and we are part of it and we're witnesses to it that's Mm -hmm. that's what jesus wants us to see that's what luke wants us to see in, in terms of what jesus kingdom is and what it means to be witnesses to that kingdom that makes sense thanks jeff so um all right. So the, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Is it just me? I feel like all the question should be worded differently. Maybe restore Israel to the kingdom, like instead of the kingdom mm. to Israel, if that makes sense. Like, why is it worded that way? And then is there, are there any other like interpretations of this question that you came across, like ways to interpret um. this question? I'm I'm really interested with your your thought about the wording. So tell me about that. I think that that the kingdom it says in the way that like the question is phrased, the kingdom is restored to Israel versus restoring the people. It's like what needs restoring? Uh, is it the kingdom yeah. that needs restoring or is it oh, the that's... people that needs restoring? And to me, it's the people yeah. that need restoring to the kingdom. Right. But the way the question is phrased is is at this time, restore the kingdom to Israel. So there, that's a different question than what I would think they're initially asking. You know, they're different oh, questions. Oh, that's really good. Oh, that's good observation, Claire. Yeah. Well, because I think you're reading it through really, through through uh, eyes that have been shaped by kind of the, the prophets and how they're, how they talk about the kingdom. And yeah, so one way uh, that we can read that question, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel, is reading it through, you know, sort of the nationalistic expectation, you know, of like Simon, the zealots, right? Like we got to kick out the Romans and reestablish our own king in Jerusalem. And and that's going to be the sign of the good days returning to Israel, right? Like mm-hmm. under David, under Solomon. Uh, and maybe that's what they're asking, but uh, you know that's that's possible and you know one interpretation of that from what what's known as like a dispensational perspective is that when Jesus is just sort of like putting off the answer that for some people they read it as well those were God's promises to Israel he's they're going to rebuild the temple the king's going to rule in Jerusalem and that's literally going to happen and maybe that happens off in the future in a millennial kingdom where Jesus and his king rule from Jerusalem over a literal temple in the literal land of Israel. But it doesn't have to be read that way, right? Uh, it, it, it can also be read as the church, the, the people of God, is not an interruption like a separate track, but we're brought into what God is doing th- to his promises to Israel, right? Like we're, Paul uses this language in Romans of us being grafted into Israel. And the church, in some sense, is now the Israel of God, not replacing Israel, but but we're grafted in and 
it was God's plan all along that all the nations of the world were going to be united to him through his people, Israel, and the Messiah is going to rule over that people all the way back, you know, like to the promise of Abraham, right? Like through you, through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And over time, Israel came to sort of understand that the people of Israel came to understand that that meant like them specifically in that land with their physical offspring of David sitting on a physical throne in Jerusalem. And again, maybe that's possible. Maybe that's, you know, what's literally going to happen off in the future, but it doesn't have to be that way. Right. And so Jesus may may not be answering the question or putting off the question of like literal, physical, national Israel. He may just be redirecting them also back to the bigger promises through the prophets and to Abraham of this multinational worldwide community of people that are going to be ruled over by the Messiah, not necessarily in a, a physical earthly kingdom centered in the Middle East, because it seems like, again, and, you know, you look forward to the book of Revelation or you, you mm -hmm. go back and you reread the prophets, there's this expanding of that vision through the Messiah that incorporates all the people in something much bigger than physical national Israel. And so mm -hmm. Jesus may be, you know, on a dispensationalist reading, you know, he's saying he's just sort of ignoring the question because, you know, well, that's the millennial kingdom in the future. But he may also be sort of redirecting the question to, to remind them, no, guys, remember what the prophets have said and, and what I'm fulfilling is a, a different kind of kingdom. And, and to me, that really makes sense, too, because it, it seems pretty clear, both from Jesus' earthly ministry and in the ministry of the church as it goes forward, that they are embodying a very different kind of kingdom than what yeah. we tend to expect and look for in terms of worldly power. Right. Yeah. A different kind of kingdom um, where the rules and the ruling is different than what we think of when we think of kingdoms and what they've thought of when they thought of kingdoms and Caesar. So what is different about the rules of the kingdom that is maybe not what they're used to? And obviously then the ruler of the kingdom, which is Jesus. Yeah. So what's different about the rules of the kingdom and the ruler of this kingdom? So, I mean, if you think about it, again, Luke is writing into a context where there's very clearly a king, an empire, and Caesar rules power by, rules over his kingdom by the raw exercise of power. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, the, the, the followers of Jesus at this time are living in what was, you know, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, which was, you know, basically a period of flourishing in the Roman Empire and uh, a lack of, you know, major conflicts. But the reason that existed was the power of the Roman legions and peace was enforced, you know, at the, at the point of a Roman spear. Yeah. And Jesus's teaching and modeling and the church is modeling a very different way of being in the world uh, and, and exercising power. Uh, you know, like Jesus said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles exercise authority and and they lord it over the people over them. It's 
uh, it's power and vanquishing enemies and picking up the sword and being in control. And for Jesus and for his followers, uh, it's a radical reevaluation of of peace and kingdom. Uh, it's it's peace is the outworking of lordship through Jesus. That's what real peace is. Mm-hmm. And, and so in the life of Jesus, that's going to get echoed in the lives of his followers. I mean, this is one of the things that's so cool about the book of Acts. As we go through this book, one of the things to pay attention to is how the lives of Jesus' followers pattern his life in sacrifice and suffering and bearing witness to the kingdom and experiencing often opposition and following faithfully to the end in in spite of it. So uh, Acts is not, uh, witness is not just merely proclaiming, for example, Jesus' resurrection. It is living out a pattern of life that reflects dying to self and resurrection life empowered by the Spirit. The the main characters in Acts, the followers of Jesus, look like Jesus. They embody his life, Mm -hmm. and they carry it out into the wider world in, in a kingdom that's shaped by the fruit of the Spirit. That's you know, when I, I remember, you know, growing up hearing that language and thinking like, of course, like agricultural terms. And it was just like, that's just kind of odd. But the fruit is the outworking, the evidence of the spirit in God's people. And it looks like love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that's not the way that the kingdoms of this world get and maintain power. That's not the way that kings and people in authority and elected officials and whoever get power, right? Mm-hmm. It's the exact opposite. And and that means we may be called to suffer. We may be called to lose in a worldly sense mm-hmm. because we're living in a different kingdom and following a different king with totally different values. And it's so important for us to remember that and and to just acknowledge it, that walking in the way of Jesus is going to put us in conflict with the way the world works. And it's going to, it should make people scratch their head. Like, why are you guys not anxious to grab power? Why are you okay with not being in control? How can you be so patient when things aren't going the way you want? Well, because we live in a different kingdom. And we're under the lordship of a different ruler mm-hmm. because if Jesus really is the king, he's ruling over our lives and all the crazy stuff that's happening out in the world in a way that allows us to be at peace. And it doesn't make us complacent. It doesn't say, oh, well, you know, Jesus is in charge, so it doesn't matter. It, it actually makes us go out into the world with intentionality to, to work in the spirit-filled kind of ways to try and make it look more like Jesus' kingdom. Mm-hmm. But we go about it in in very different ways than, than the world around us. That's what's so radically different. And, and we'll see that over and over and over again in the book of Acts. And that may bring us into conflict with the powers and authorities of this world that want to demand our submission and our partnership with their ways of running the world. 
and we may end up suffering as a result, but we're not going to pick up the sword, so to speak. We're, we're not going to pick up the same weapons that the world uses to try and get the outcomes that we think we'd like to see happen because mm-hmm. we know Jesus is in control. Yeah. So what's the balance? Like you just said, you know, we're supposed to be witnesses and we are supposed to model, go about it the same way that Jesus set his example and his first followers set this example. So if we do that, what's the balance then between wanting and praying for his kingdom to be here, but also Mm. being okay Mm -hmm. with this our culture will never reflect God's kingdom because it's not our home. Like it's out. I don't know. Like, how do you, how do we say, let his kingdom come and we're going to be a part of it, but also be like, you know what? I shouldn't be surprised when our culture is going completely different opposite direction. And I shouldn't be discouraged either and be like, oh, we're in so, where it's this dire circumstances or this is so frustrating. Well, like, why would we expect anything different? You know, I don't know. How can you do both? Oh man, Claire, that, that is like a whole sermon or sermon series on its own. And honestly, that's why we have so many different, uh, I don't know, denominations is the right way, right word, but just so many different ways of Christians trying to be in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And on one end, you have, you know, what you might call like pietism or or even quietism is another similar related world, which is saying like, this world is never going to look like our home and we're just heading for heaven. And our job is to, you know, just sort of contemplate and reflect and meditate and worship Jesus. And on the other end, you have like very you know, hard charging, progressive activists, like, no, we definitely are here to make this world look like the kingdom. And we're going to go out and take on all the, you know, powers and authorities. And, but you've recognized the tension there, right? Like both of, we have to hold both of those things together. Mm -hmm. And the danger is going to one extreme or the other. This world is not our home. It's never going to look like heaven, but we don't just throw up our hands then, you know, maybe the temp one temptation would be to like retreat into kind of a, you know, a Christian fortress or subculture Mm -hmm. and just say, well, you know, the world's terrible and it's only going to get terribler. So let's just build a little mini kingdom here for Christians. But that's clearly not Jesus' pattern of life, and it's not his mission for us. Mm-hmm. In a in a sense, man, you you could almost say on the one hand, like we should expect that we're just going to be frustrated living in this world. But isn't that true of like our own lives too, right? Like we're never going to be in ourselves the people that God's made us to be this side of heaven. But that doesn't mean we just give up and say, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to be an angry, impatient jerk until I get to heaven because, I, you know, this is what I am. No, I mean, we use the energy and the resources and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit guided by his word to continue to push forward and, and strive and grow and try to walk more faithfully, even though we're going to stumble and fall. And it... it um Boy, it forces us to both humility and yet confidence in the ultimate outcome. And we don't despair. I mean, there's plenty of room for lament. And man, I, you know, I've just been rereading, you know, 
reviewing some of the series we've done over the last couple of years about, you know, lamenting and how lament helps us live mm-hmm. with hope uh, and perspective in a broken world that, yeah, is never going to look like our home, but we don't just give up and throw up our hands because God cares about us and about this world and about the people who are living in it because they're walking in darkness and there's brokenness and there's lostness. And if we love like Jesus loves, we step into the darkness and, and we recognize, man, I'm just, I'm thinking like the example of Paul, you know, preaching in Athens and, and he gets to the part of preaching about the resurrection, which, you know, just sounded like, nonsense to them and he doesn't hold back from preaching about the resurrection and a lot of them scoffed and walked away but but luke says but some were interested and wanted to hear more and so paul you know looks for those people that are open and are interested and he you know so all right let's work with what i can work with and not beat my head against the wall for you know maybe the majority of people who just you know sort of go and walk away Mm -hmm. no i'm not i'm i'm thankful for the people that are willing to listen and who you know who seem to be open to the word and to the spirit's work so i'm I'm, let's let's focus on that and and make progress where we can uh I, I think that's, I mean, that's again part of the the pattern of the book of Acts. I mean, the very ending is, and the gospel went out unhindered. Um you know, that's not pie in the sky and it's not naive optimism. I mean, it's realism. There's opposition all throughout the book, but the gospel keeps going forward and Jesus keeps showing up and the spirit keeps changing people's lives. Even if there's a lot that is still undone and broken and messed up, um, there's still a lot of good that's happening and there's still a lot of work for us to be doing. In in our time and in our place and in our community, to try and help it reflect more of what God's kingdom will look like and can look like as God's people are preaching and trying to live out that kingdom and its values here and now. Yeah, yeah, in the way that Jesus did in his first followers. Yeah, which right. Which can you just give us um, three descriptive words? to describe not what Jesus and his first followers did, um, but like just their character, their character is, I know you said like the fruit of the spirit, but if we're supposed to be like witnesses and we are supposed to go out and we're doing it the same way, give us those three like descriptive characteristics. Oh my gosh, Claire, man, that's, I mean, that's a great question. I just, I feel like, how do you even begin with, with three? Okay. Uh, humble. Yeah. Uh, because I'm, I'm going out from the perspective knowing that I don't, it's not like I have all the answers. Jesus has the answers and I need Jesus as much as those people. So I'm not going out looking down on people and condemning them. Yeah. I'm, I'm going out in humility because I'm a, a beggar who's found a banquet. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I want to invite other people to it. Uh, so humble, um, I, I think, I don't know if loving is, is another, I mean, it's such, it can be such a broad, I mean, it's so big, it's, it can almost yeah. be in danger of being meaningless, right? Like, but I'm seeking, I'm intentionally willing to, Joey did a great job with this um, a few weeks ago. And I think in first John series, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about love is the, 
uh, love is offering my life up through sacrifice. It, again, so it, it it's saying, I'm going to step out and give whatever I have of me as, as a living sacrifice to bless, help, and bring someone else into the life that I've already experienced through Jesus. That's what love is. If, if I were in that person's position, what would I want someone to do for me to bring me into life and joy and fullness? That's, that's what love looks like. That's what love is. It's uh, offering my life up through sacrifice for someone mm-hmm. else. Uh, so humble, loving, and um, man, hopeful, um, hopeful, confident, maybe, um, because I, I know that it's, we're, we're not going to bring about the kingdom of God in this earth in its fullness. Only Jesus is going to do that, but I am confident and I am hopeful that he is at work and, and that he intends to make a difference in me and through me. And, and that just keeps empowering me to keep moving forward and trusting him that even if, even if I'm not even seeing the immediate outworking of my prayers or, or my witnessing or my work, I'm trusting that my doing it faithfully is honoring to God and is worthwhile. And so I, I keep showing up because I'm hopeful Mm -hmm. uh, that God is actually at work as he promised he would be. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Thanks. Jeff. Thanks for just going along with, with these questions. And let me spring them on you. No, that was a good one. Yeah. That you, did, was, you didn't prep great with your that one. And, you know. uh, but thank you. No, that was really good. All right. Well, Jeff, uh, we'll miss hearing from you these next few weeks, but uh, we'll be praying for you and your journey to ABTS. And um, so, yeah, if, if you're listening now, um, we just, would ask that you keep Jeff and Amelia in your prayers in the next few weeks as they seek to um, disciple and just be a minister of grace and love to the staff and leaders in Lebanon. And um, yeah, just keep them, ask God keeps them safe and keeps, uh, I don't know, does some restoring work right there. That's much needed. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, you all. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.